Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that doesn't own a failing crypto exchange. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. And as always, he is the founder and managing director of strawman.com, which does what again, Andrew? Ah, oh, you were so close to it last week. Um, we're an <laughs> online private investment club. You are indeed. Sometimes even a private <laughs> online investment club, but you mixed it up just to keep me on my toes. Which <laughs> I, I, know, appreciate. I, did, I did switch it around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool in Australia, and we are here to bring you a fun and informative, maybe even a bit educational podcast. Educational in a good way, though, not one of those boring you know, textbook ways. In a fun and hopefully you'll learn something kind of context. Mate, how's your week been? <sighs> Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I feel as though the uh, what a year it's been and it's sort of yeah, it's, it's, right. it's starting to wind down a little bit, you know, in terms of the, the corporate news flow mm. and the rest of it. Christmas is within sight. So I'm just, yeah. you know, it's starting to get a bit warmer. It's yeah, I'm, I'm starting <sighs> to I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel the vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's been such yeah. a long time. Mate, I, I remember when was it? It was it was it. Uh, 2020 when the pandemic happened everyone's like oh man I can't wait till 2020 so <laughs> yeah, good riddance it's gonna get so much better and from 20, now on 2020 what well, we were saying it last oh, year and man. now we're saying it this year as well yeah it's um it's a, it's one of those things that it just it, I mean maybe we need to segment these things down just to make them easy to deal with right if we didn't have years or years were three years long can you imagine still being in the COVID year I don't, I don't know I, I, very different and, and random tangent to go on but it, I, I don't know sometimes <laughs> it's good to have those Master, just to be able to kind of you know the, the kind of clean slate thing it doesn't make any difference right the fact we're one more journey around the sun makes zero difference 365 days versus 8,000 versus 200 makes no difference really but there is something humans need about that kind of compartmentalization right oh yeah yeah you need a a, a tick of the metronome I mean we, we were talking about this on Strawman recently actually like you mm. know with, with annual results it's a sort of AGM season at the moment lots of annual yeah. meetings and it's sort of like again you need to sort of put a line under the books at some point so it makes sense <laughs> yeah, to sort of do it every time we yeah. go around the sun but yeah. but it's sort of man the market really focuses on that 12 month period and I think mm. sometimes you lo- often in fact you lose sight of, of the forest for the trees um, you miss you miss the bigger trends if, if you're not careful and you focus too much on that yet one year. And in fact, it gets worse. I mean, there are mm. people there who do it quarter to quarter, and you just kind of think. I don't, I don't yeah. think anyone who's run a business um, <laughs> yeah. who lives lives at that time scale is is ever really going to make great progress because mm. the investments you're making usually you'll be spending money now, which will will start paying you back two three years down the track. That's you go. Yeah. You got to think beyond all of that kind of stuff. Um, and events that seem really important right now really fade into insignificance when you look back in five years. So it's, it's yeah, it is what it is. It's a really good point, Matt. I, I actually think um, if you think through the, I think se- seasonal businesses, it makes sense, right? If you're, a, if you're a skiing business, then knowing how one winter season went versus the previous winter season just makes some sense, right? The last time mm. this thing happened, how did we go? I think that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I worked for food businesses before. Um, I worked for Heinz and, you know, soup sells well in winter and tuna sells well before Lent and all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of say, okay, well, are we as relevant as we used to be? That, that makes some sense, right? Are people, when this occasion comes up, like Christmas, I imagine it's the same for retail, right? Um, as these things come up, I guess it makes sense to have a look. But broadly, as you say, there is nothing, particularly those businesses that don't have that seasonality, just arbitrarily, you know, even during COVID, some of the some of the COVID lockdowns that happened in May, June, July, August, September, 
they were over two financial years and that that very yep. reality i'm not I, I absolutely don't think businesses should change financial years too frequently but i'm not entirely sure that if we'd just simply made a change to calendar rather than financial years to look mm. at some of that data whether we wouldn't have all been a little bit more informed not because calendar is more important or more, more relevant in any other sense but it just would have removed that idea of as you say because we ticked over the calendar we ripped up one financial year's calendar and started again with a new one you don't mm. get a sense of like what did actually happen during that time period um, yeah. and it does make it more difficult think about you know covid turned up in effectively jan feb 2020 but that was halfway through a financial year. So that, that financial year is screwed. The one after that had lockdowns. The one after that had more lockdowns. This one, God forbid, we might even be okay if we're lucky. But it means you kind of got to go back four financial years to get a clean slate. If we'd said, well, let's look at calendar 2020 versus calendar 21 and calendar 22, I don't know. I think mm. things might be a little bit easier to understand. Yep. Hey, let me give you, we've already, oh this was, none of this is planned, dear listener, but now, you know, we're here now. <laughs> Mate, just, just um, quietly, no, no one thinks it is, let's, let's be honest. We have, okay, we have to put that disclaimer good. on. <laughs> wow, they've no diverted from their here. usually really strict, well-produced, well-spoken <laughs> agenda. That's unusual for these two. We, we're Go shooting on. from the hip here. <laughs> so, so last week, was it last week, week before we spoke right. to, actually got j- joint CEOs, which you don't see too often, ah. but of a business called Cobram Estate. And if the name oh, yeah. is a bell, have a look in it your does. pantry. You've probably got mm-hmm. a bottle bottle of olive oil, and that's what they do. They grow olive. They grow olives, <laughs> and they they turn it into olive oil. So you know the world's most boring business. Yeah. Um, however, um, it just it reminded me of what you were sort of talking about here when it comes to things like seasonality and lumpiness mm-hmm. and given time frames. And I always do a little bit of prep before we speak to to the management, so you know you've got half a clue of what you're talking about. And I'd never heard of it before. And it was just like, wow, it was lumpy. They seem to have this really good year and then a bad year and a good year and a bad. And you kind of think, well, ag business, that's what it's like. There's probably a drought there or, you know. And then you, you're speaking to the to the guys and it's like, oh, no, olive trees always have a good season followed by a bad. Like, what do you mean? Huh. Always. Like, yeah, it's just how the plant operates. I had I no idea, that. right? So, so it's like- I, yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't go into it, but there's a whole mm. reason for it and stuff. And then when there's like drought events or big yeah. frosts or something like that, that can reset everything. So it just, just the um, anyway, there's a, there's a whole bunch of biology that's that's involved with that. And just that one understanding gives you so much more clarity on mm. on how to interpret the numbers that they're presenting and the context of it. You should expect a, a, a good year <laughs> this year. In fact, they are for the yeah, reason yeah. I've just outlined. And, you sh- and then after that, we should expect a bad year. You can imagine a very si- significant proportion of investors, though, going, mm. oh, oh, my gosh, revenue's down 6%. This is awful. Get out. Oh, my gosh, revenue's up 30% this year. And, and the, other, the other insight that was there, of course, is that they're, they're, they're planting all these olive groves. It takes five years for a tree to start producing. It starts eight or nine before it's really going to hit its stride. And so you talk about long-term capital planning. Of course, you've got to buy all this land. You've got to plant it. You've got to tend it. You've got to look after it. You've got to keep the frost off it with fan. You've got to do all of this kind of stuff. And you are doing that for five years for zero right. return. Do you know what I mean? Now, I'm not, yeah, I, do. I don't want to make a comment on whether it's good or bad or yeah, whatever, yeah, but right, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. This, is, this is exactly to the point that we're talking about in the mm. sense that when you're looking, you bring up a company and you start looking at its financials, it's all useless. It really is. It's why I'm as I as I age further, I become more and more cynical <laughs> towards just pure quantitative analysis because yeah. it, it lacks the context. How can I? 
I mean, this this could be. Um, it's not, but, but I mean, there could be a situation here where this business has spent like five years ago just threw a billion dollars at it, and they're just about to make it rain as all of yeah. this fruit comes comes to bear. You're not going to see that in the, in the numbers. You're going to see this horribly lumpy thing that's not really going anywhere. So it's 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 it always it always pays to sort of remember that the the year is a very arbitrary um, time frame, and that you often need to step back to see the bigger picture. I guess. I like that, mate. I'm going, to, I'm going to add to the tangent a little bit further because let's think about financial statements. You mentioned those and that's a journey I've been on from being, I said before, I had spreadsheets with 60 different ratios because I could calculate them. So I did because they must be relevant. Yep. Right? It's one of those, you know, they do because they can. Every, and as soon as they do, then that's, We all go through that phase. It's right, a healthy right. phase to go through, right? It's actually right. good to get the grounding in that It's stuff, a learning, so yeah. It's yeah. not a waste. Yeah, but then I but then I went from that to oh obviously balance sheet profit loss statement they they're just accounting constructs really it's cash that matters cash is the only thing that matters that's what you got to focus on I went that for a while and I've really come back to as you say we all get a bit older and maybe what do they say that the gaining of wisdom is knowing how much you don't know um, oh, it's, it's returning itself. to where you started and seeing it yeah. for the first time <laughs> oh, yeah. oh look at that Something very like philosophical that. I like it um, yeah but it, yeah. but it's in the it's context of, of of cash for example right I, there, there are people who say oh, you've always got to, you've always got to expense R&D. You've already got to expense IT and, and software mm-hmm. development, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I get that. And I get this. It's cash is cash. It's gone, right? But also, it's worth thinking about, as you say, take, take the olive grove, right? If you spend mm-hmm. $5 million in year one, and you don't spend a mm-hmm. thing in the next four years, and then you start producing stuff, mm-hmm. how relevant was that cash flow? If you just looked at the cash flow and said, oh, cash is up. Oh, it's down. Oh, it's up. It's down. Oh, look, it's up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you get, you get nothing from that. The idea of accrual accounting, as maligned as is, and frankly, as, as open to manipulation as it is, and to your point, that's why you can't just look at the numbers in any context. Yeah. But you look at that and yeah. say, well, but, but hang on, if that's, you know, I, cash flows, yes, it's cash. Yes, it's absolute cash. You can't fake cash. That's all true. But is it really more useful to say minus 5 million and then minus some sort of growing, fertilizing, tending, whatever, and then mm-hmm. no cost for the mm-hmm. revenue that comes in year six because there's no, you know, it's a bit of fertilizing, but the big cost where, where you know, they built the land, you've planted the trees, oh, look how profitable this thing is on a cash basis. You're really not, you know, at some point, I, I don't know how long these trees last. I guess at some point you have to pull them out of the ground and replant them. I don't know. but 20 years or so. You get a good 20 years out of them. Yep. It's a year 21. Actually, they'll live, they'll live, they'll live, for, they'll live for 100 years if you want, but like the real, the, in terms of like the right, really right. ultra productive. Yeah. So they've, they've planted stuff three years ago that'll come on stream in two years. They planted stuff five years ago that comes on stream today. They planted something today that'll come on stream in five years time. Mm-hmm. And the trees they planted 20 yep. years ago, they're pulling out of the ground and replacing. And so you say, well, the cash value of that how much do you really see and yes people will say ah but all you need to do is go through all the financials and then I say well that's what the accounting does that's exactly what accrual accounting is designed yeah. to do for yes. you yeah. um, I'm not saying you should just use the PL. cash is terrible cash is great uh, but I think you know if you're going to expense IT costs if you spend a million dollars on an IT system in year one you expense it all year two three four you yeah. do nothing year five you're ready to replace it again all of a sudden you hit with yeah. this massive million dollar cash b- bill that you weren't expecting because you weren't looking at the accruals I think you know that's that's just in terms of the the approach. I said I, I must say one or the other. Uh, probably none is the best answer you say, or maybe not none. But you know, um, being being mindful of how you use it, what you use it for, when it's relevant. Uh, but just just be careful. Like cash, yes, is king, and yes, that's that's how dividends are paid. You can't pay dividends from from accounting profits. But just just be careful whenever you're looking at any of these financials. Use them all together, literally with each say, other. Understand what's going take on. A, take take a holistic approach. Yes. And then as you say, also look past the numbers and say, what's actually happening out there? The question you would never get from the financials around one good season, one bad season in olives, for example, and, and plenty of others besides. Yep. Oh, mate, look, the, the, the financial statements, the three big ones, uh, mm. are just, they're there. You realize that they're all there for a good reason. They all give you <laughs> yeah. a different view on things. Right. And none of them in isolation is going to tell you everything. 
Um, but yeah, you've got to you've got to look at all of them in context. You're exactly you're exactly right. The the other point I would make there as well is it's it's always worth understanding that where those numbers come from. A great Cobram offers yeah. another great example here, and there's another one I'll give. So when they when they add the value of these groves to the balance sheet, that's at cost, mm. and that never increases. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that's just the way that the accounting is done. So I bought the land, and maybe I've, I've put a bit, I've capitalized a bit of cost in terms of sort of planting the trees and some of the work that was done. But then it just sits there. That's mm. I, I'm never allowed to increase the carrying value on the balance sheet for that. I mean, just think about it logically, though. Obviously, each year that goes by, those trees become more and more mature. It, it becomes a more valuable asset. Yeah. So when you're looking at the balance sheet, you go, geez, oh, the, the net assets of this thing is X. It's like, well, actually, no, it's not. Yeah. The, the best example, I haven't looked at this company for a while, but the best example was Event. They used to be called mm. Amalgamated Holdings back <laughs> in the day. Right. They own the Event Cinemas. They also own a bunch of hotels. But they've got land that they bought in 1948, at cost, yeah, it's you know, it's sort of like, so you look at the balance sheet and you go, oh, there's not that many assets there. It's like, can you imagine some inner city property <laughs> much yeah. that is appreciated exactly. since, since 1948? I mean, they, they, they'll point it out to you, right? In the, in the actually the, the, last, the last independent valuation gives us <laughs> a net asset value of whatever. But it just, mm-hmm. again, it just, it just tells you, Look at the numbers, but go beyond the numbers. And, and just don't be afraid to ask some of these questions here. They're all very reasonable questions to ask if it's not obvious. And, mm-hmm. and if the company's got nothing to hide, they'll be happy to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, speaking of nothing to hide, mate, a um, couple of times this week, we've, so one thing, Shopping Centres Australasia has renamed itself Region and changed its ticket code. Uh, obviously because the whole business is going to be very, very different now. They're not going to do shopping centres anymore or prop... Oh no! Yes, they are. Uh, corporate. I wonder. I wonder. What, I wonder how much the the marketing company got oh, got paid for that. It's a bit like the, the Bureau of Meteorology, just like you know that <laughs> bomb. that bomb. debacle. Oh. Yes, exactly. So that that's happened this week. The other thing is uh, a business, little business called People In. I don't know if you know the, the company um, has announced that it's launching a strategic review, including possibly selling the company. Uh, because can I just say whatever you hear, whatever you hear, those two words, strategic it's never review. Good. You never well, use strategic review when things are going great. My except, well, see, here's the thing, right? So they've actually said, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to say I believe them, not because I know the company, just because okay. I'm going to assume they're not lying. Uh, they, they are saying the business is great, but they're worried about the share price. They can't get the share price up, and so they have a strategic review to see if they can get more value for the company some other way. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to slander anybody in particular here, but both of those things <laughs> but- strike me as well. They both strike me as, <laughs> as companies who are very, very keen to maximize the short-term share price. Yeah. You don't change... What are you changing your name for? Guys? Come on. I mean, frankly, Event did it too. I'll, I'll, I'll throw uh, some shade at them. But it comes to, oh, we're going to have a strategic review. See, because the business is great, but no one's recognizing it. So we're going to see if what we can... It's like, just do your bloody jobs. If You know, like it's the idea of I'm a CEO, I'm a company board or company director... We have decided the best thing we can do is not actually run the business, but make some noise, put out a press release, see if we can, you know, rattle the tin. Hire some, some investor relations company. Yep. And again, I'm not going to comment on people in specifically, nor on regions specifically. I will just say that 
if you're if you if a company's board and management have enough time to go and do those sort of things rather than actually I don't know running the company, there's a fair chance there's yep. too many people there being paid too much money, and they're going to waste some of it doing this sort of stuff. Because you're right, the, the corporate branding consultants come in and rebrand region. The uh, you know the investment bankers come in for the strategic review and they get paid seven figures to do whatever. And again, I don't know about people in, but you know they get paid a lot of money to do whatever they're going to do, and maybe possibly come out with something or probably not. Maybe they find a buyer, maybe they don't. Even if they find a buyer, if the buyer's going to pay, what, 10, 15% more? If you think your business is like, no one, again, they'll make a liar of me now. No one's going to come pay 50% more for this business, right? It's worth what it's worth. If you get 10, 20% more for, for shares, the, the board will say, Victory Lab, look how much money value I created. And I will say, if your business is really that good, if you're doing that well, or if you can't possibly add any other value other than selling this thing for 20% more than it's currently selling for, then that's a bigger issue for mine. The, the very idea mm. of, Guys, how about you know finding a way to actually grow the business? Imagine, imagine selling Berkshire Hathaway for for you know eight thousand dollars a share in whatever year it was, rather than the five hundred thousand dollars a share it is now, because it was seven thousand at the time. And Buffett thought, I wonder if I get a little bit more for it. You know, mm-hmm. if the businesses mm-hmm. are decent and big and and able to be successful and have bright futures, go and do that. Go and create the value you're talking about, rather than all this carry on. It's so infuriating. I, I. Look, there might there might be some ex- look if there's a a significant change in in the business operations. Um, maybe you know if Coca Cola all of a sudden all of a sudden got into manufacturing cars. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad yeah. example, but you know that maybe. Well, always did try and do masters but, but at some I, point. There, are, yeah. There's there, there's there's background, but yes, I know. I take your point. The, you know what I mean. So it's sort yeah. of but but at the same time. Look, here's a challenge, and I'll, I've actually mentioned this to a number of the CEOs that, that we talk to with Strawman, which is because yeah. they often say they, I think they're saying things they think that we want to hear. Yeah, how, yeah, oh, you know, right. we've we've got a really great story, but don't worry, we, yeah. we're getting some we're getting some investor relations people to really get the story out there. And I always yeah. look at them and go, here's the challenge: find for me a company that's consistently grown its per share earnings where that has not been reflected eventually in the share price. Now I can I can understand the frustration where it maybe it's six, twelve, twenty-four months where that's not yep. reflected. Yep. Yep. But it but it's it's never it's never, ever, ever not reflected. You might not get a higher multiple, and maybe that's what you're after, but just by virtue of if you maybe you're a very low, maybe you're a P of ten and you're looking at all your peers that trade on twenty times earnings and you're thinking that's not fair, we need to get the story out there. But if you still grow if you still grow your earnings at ten percent per year, and the multiple stays the same. You're still going. You're still going up, right? And and it, I, I guarantee you, at some point, just mathematically, the market's going to notice because you know when you're growing earnings at ten percent per year, you're going to double those earnings every seven years. And even right. if you're starting off a very low base, sooner or later you're Apple, you know, and the multiple will come. So if you want, look, here's the bottom line: if you want your share price to rise, yeah, run the business really well. And 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 in nowhere in the world and in the entire multiverse will investors not eventually take notice of of that kind of thing. The only time it really matters is when you're trying to raise capital. Yes. Um, yes. Exactly. And and I, ideally you want businesses that are that are self self funding, um, or perhaps you've got a fairly large um, share based compensation scheme in there mm-hmm. as well because that you want to keep your employees happy. There are problems with that as well. Other than that, who cares? Yeah, yeah exactly. Who cares? And realistically, I've got to say too, I mean, yeah, 
And there are always there are always exceptions to the rule. Let's be clear. Maybe people in is the exception. Maybe regions the exception. Maybe events the exception. I don't know. And I'm not. But I don't want to talk about these companies in particular. There what are, was Hum? As, was as Hum? Hum was Flexi Group. Flexi Group. Yes, exactly. Renamed that's right. Yourself, another one. You know, that's yeah. Oh, there's there's billions of the things. That, Buy now, pay, thing, pay right? later. Yeah. Oh, seriously, the whole thing. Um, it, it, there will be exceptions. There are absolutely. So let, let's be clear. I'm not, we're not saying every single time this happens, it's a bad thing. As you say, if you get a higher price and it's generally worth more, and you get therefore you can dilute yourself less if you're raising capital, that's reasonable. If, if you're generally worth less, the problem mm. is if you're not actually worth less, and you get the IR team, the investor relation out there to pump the share price up. Everyone gets excited about it. Share price goes through the roof. You can't keep it there. And the, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're blowing up a balloon with a hole in the always. end, you're, you're just going to be yep. blowing a balloon. And, and when you keep blowing, it just keeps it there. So you're not even going to get more for blowing. You've locked yourself into blowing this balloon every single day, hoping you yep. can keep it where it is. Because as soon as you stop, it shrivels back down to where it was. And the whole thing was proven to be exactly what it is, which is a complete waste of time. You, you've beat me to the point. It's, it's, such a, it's so uh, self-defeating and counterproductive. Because even if it works, it only works temporarily. Yes. And then and then you just lose trust and credibility in the market. You know, it's like, oh, they're just pumping it up again. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, I, I guess, I guess if you want to be super cynical and break the law and risk jail time, yeah. you, you could you could <laughs> buy a bunch of shares, pump yeah. it up, yeah. you know, flog it off, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay, good luck to you. You're an absolute uh-huh. piece of whatever, garbage. Um, uh <laughs> But you. you know, short of that, it's just it's just such a waste of time. Such a waste of time. And and, and what what we can't change the way the, the markets are, but we mm. can choose to participate or not. And it's you'd want to be careful here with 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 generalizations. But never ever generalize <laughs> if you see before. a company never ever generalize. <laughs> but if if um if you do see a company consistently engaged in a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. I, I usually find it on balance a bit of a red flag. I mean, it might be offset by some, if you understand the business well. And look, I'm guilty of, of owning a couple of companies that have, <laughs> that have that have been a little bit more promotional than I otherwise would have liked. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, again, holistically, you've got to look at it all together. But it, on its own, it's for me, I've as I the longer I've done this, the more I've come to see it as a little bit of a red flag, let's say, orange flag, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's almost certainly a net negative. Even if it doesn't push, drag you away from the thesis overall, it's still one of those icky, I'm going to invest anyway, but I really don't like it. And again, yeah, not, every, it. not every example is, is is that. You will find some that are doing the right thing. So we're not going to, we're not going to say everyone's bad, but it's one of those one of those rules. <laughs> I think it's almost, as you say, mate, I'd, I, I would hesitate to, I would hazard a guess. Let, let me let me get, put this in the positive. I would hazard a guess that if you put a basket of those together, you're not going to do particularly well. Some might. I, I think most won't. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think it's probably worth quoting it's my new favorite razor, um, Hanlon's razor, um, which which basically says, never attribute to malice that which can be attributed to stupidity or essentially or naivety. Or, yes. And it's such a good, because you do, I think we naturally, we're very conspiratorial as a species and we love, we yeah. love to sort of see cabals of, oh, of, of hooded yeah. uh, and robed yeah. figures planning in lizard, the shadows. Lizard people, but, yeah. Lizard, you know, it's, it's it's a very enticing kind of thought. Um, but at the end of the day, I actually just think you've probably got well-meaning mm. CEOs mm. Yeah. 
yeah. who have just been seduced by slick talking investor oh, totally. relations people. Hey, oh, hey, Scott, yeah. let's let's you know what you market's failing to see your story. You've got a great story here. I tell you what, we can really get it out. There. Oh, well, can you? Oh, yeah, that sounds yeah. like a great idea. Yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> so it's not like that. It's not like there's this. <laughs> let's let's get together and like try and yeah. put, pull one over the market's eyes. Watch this. Yeah, um, I, I genuinely think in most cases you've got people who feel as though they're doing they're doing the right yeah. thing. It's amazing the number of CEOs that we come across, particularly in the small cap end, who it's like only their first or second gig in the public markets. Yeah. And they might be incredibly experienced entrepreneurs and business people who spent 30 years in the private markets doing things. And then you get to the public market and all of a sudden there's this daily price flashing in your face and fund managers and investors ringing you up <laughs> and That's compliance right. requirements with quarterly reports and you know, and you just kind of, oh, oh, okay, well, this 100%. is the game we're in now. This is, oh, oh, that's, is that what you do? Okay, well, let's do that. It, it's not, it's not malice, I think. Yeah. But it is, it is a terrible distraction. And, and the better ones, the ones who usually are better at avoiding it are, are the, the founders who are still on board who own a very significant chunk of shares that just don't give a stuff, right? It's yeah. like they, because they get it, I think, a little bit more than most. Um, yeah, we've, we've probably no, that, squeezed that that sponge pretty dry. Yeah, no, it's it's a real it's a, it's an important point. I think. Look, the market is. Oh, we have to go eleven too far, but one more, just because you know we like to do that thing and another thing as we like to <laughs> and say. another thing uh, and another thing. Um, it's. Uh, I think. I think. The, look, to, to be half fair to, to company CEOs to, to the point you were just making. Um, there's so much going on, right? So, firstly, some investment banker tells them it's a good idea, and they go, well. I make widgets for a living. You do finance. I guess you must be right. And that's not, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no embarrassment in that. Like, you know, these people aren't yeah. there because they are master corporate allocators. That, that's not their, that's not their job. Um, mm. So there's that. Second one is the, so there's the incentive there. Second is the ego, right? Straight out. Hey, yep. do, don't you want to be worth more? Every mm. CEO wants to be validated by the worth of their business. Now, not what's well, every, I mean, I, th I think probably is every wants to be. Whether they give into it is probably a different question. There are, as you say, plenty of founders who are like, no, I'm just going to run my business and it'll, it'll do what it does. But most mm. get seduced by the people they start mixing with and the, they're in the million dollar club, the hundred million dollar club, the billion dollar club, the, everyone wants to be that thing. And I think the next one then is, it comes down to then the investors you end up with who then say, hey, what you get the investors going on with the share deserve. price? Well, yeah, mm. but if you, and if you don't know in advance though, what do you do? Yep. You spend half your life answering phone calls from fundies saying, what are you guys doing to get the share price up? Yep. And so that becomes your constituency. And again, these are, these are, these are really bad, <laughs> negative things to be happening in, in the business, but that's yep. what's going on. And you kind of need to, you know, it's, it's not okay. And, and CEOs should be better informed and, and guarding against this stuff. Their boards, frankly, should be helping them avoid this rubbish as well. Um, but yep. you can see how it happens, unfortunately, and happens reasonably easily. Yep, they're fair weather friends, a lot of these investors. It's not patient capital. They are very needy capital. I, I, I've, I've, yeah. I've often said you, you do get the shareholders you deserve. And there's some good examples that are, I think, out there. ARB is probably a good one. Prometic is another good one. Yes, yes. Companies that are both incredible businesses, but actually trade at very high premiums, let it be said. Yeah. But I think they do because the, 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 the free float, as it's called, the amount of shares available for sale. Actually, mm -hmm. shares are just so tightly held and they're tightly held by the fanatics, mm -hmm. you know, who probably acknowledge that, yeah, things are a bit expensive, but no way I'm selling. And isn't that better? Isn't that better than a flighty fund manager who will dump you the first, yeah. the first quarter that it's not, not perfect? Can I say um, with the exception? So th there's, there's all of... Yeah, sorry, one, 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 other, <laughs> one very quick point. The one only thing, thing I would say <laughs> that does start to flip in, 
to flip into the the incentives and the in pushing mm. people in a certain direction is that very often as a, obviously as a CEO you will have a remuneration structure that has yeah shares that will vest or yeah. options that will ex- uh, be out of, in or out of the money so there's mm. so just that layer it helps push you in that direction not only is it good for all of the reasons that are purported and that you, that you just outlined well, actually, my sh- I've, I've got I've got options here that I can exercise at twenty cents. If I get the shares <laughs> exactly. to forty cents, it's like yeah. payday. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, mate, I cut you off before. No, I was, the, the only exception I was going to make was I think those company examples are good ones. But what I would say about the air quotes fanatics is you can probably rely on the fanaticism more after those shareholders have been through a couple of downturns. Yes. Um, it's easy to be it's easy to be a long haul fanatic when the shares are going up and up and up and up and up and so you know you can, you can confuse loyalty with greed or whatever though those True. fanatics turn you very quickly if, if the shares are down which is not to say that you know, those examples aren't right by the way they may very well be um, I just want to make the distinction between people who hold on to the shares because they keep going up so why would I sell uh, yes. are they really the true believers or are they the ones who just like the fact the shares keep going up uh, after a couple of cycles we start talking about cycles. Um, you know, I, I, you probably you probably got a better sense of who those shareholders are potentially. Yep. Uh, yep. SCSL is probably a really good example too. That's a really long term one. AIB is a great one. Prometheus is a great one. Yes. Um, yes. But you know, how, how many of them are genuine true believers? How many of them think they're true believers? We just like the fact the share price is going up. There's 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 a shakeout. Every every shareholder base should have a shakeout every now and again. Just to, as you say, you get the shareholders you deserve. Um, yeah. And again, CEOs have made mistakes of getting the wrong shareholders because they didn't realise they got the shareholders they deserved till after the fact. They yeah. went, "Oh bugger, that fundy who keeps calling me about the daily share price—that's probably not someone I want, you know, on my business." That's what's so great about um, Jeff Bezos at Amazon. I'm an Amazon shareholder, yeah. but he said from day one, "I don't care if my directors are talking to me about today's sales, tomorrow's sales, next year's sales. I don't want—I don't want to talk to them about that. I don't want you yeah. on my board if you're that person. I want you talking about the next ten years." You know, so you, you've got to have the right mindset. Those who have it already are just in a massively, massively advantage state because they start in the right place and it's so much easier than desperately trying to get yourself back to a better place once you realize you made a deal with the devil. It's amazing how we, it's, you quote things like with Bezos or, you know, 100, 100 times per episode with Buffett or whatever. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> obvious, right? Yes. And it's not yes. just obvious because it sounds obvious, but like there's decades and decades of hardcore proof <laughs> in, in outcomes. <laughs> and yet they are the exception. They really are the exception because um, it's just, it's not, it's not a seductive kind of thing. It feels cleverer to... To to be more, I don't know what's the word for it. Like th- these these big north star yeah. uh, directional yeah. kind of things are kind of everything. And yes, you need to execute around that. Mm-hmm. But but if you don't have that, you're just making it up as you go along, right? And and I don't know what I'm saying here. It's just it's just no, there's a there's a right. reason why these these people are iconoclasts, you know. And yep. it's just yep. but when you hear it, it's just like yeah, that's. Why? How come that's yeah. not everyone? Why are we talking yeah. about that as something exceptional? You think every business would would be looking at it like that? But I think that's why, mate. Because I think if you if you go back to we started talking about the fact that you know you come back to where you start and see it with new eyes. Bezos and Buffett mm-hmm. and others were lucky to have been wired that way from the start. You know, I I would have given them a different answer when I was eighteen and just you know bought my first Telstra shares or whatever it was. Like that that idea mm-hmm. of you know, unfortunately I wasn't eighteen then. Uh, would have been nice. Um, but that, that that very idea of you know, here's the this is the thing that you know, um, I now know that I'm now saying mm-hmm. on a, on a podcast X years later. Um, why don't they realize this? I, I just want to be a little bit realistic about my own criticism, which is it's not, you know, Buffett and business were lucky to be born that way. Charlie Munger, the same, mm. a few, a very few others, you know, have, all have great early experiences. 
Uh, others are like, oh man, you know, it's just that scales fall from the eyes, but that can happen at, you know, 18, 28, 38, 48, 58. Uh, you're just lucky if you get there early, I reckon. I'll give you a quick quick example there is the a stat I heard a couple of years ago was that the most successful uh, entrepreneurs are, are above 40. Isn't and that, it makes yeah. sense when you think about yeah. it. So there's yeah. there's heaps of 20-year-olds starting businesses. Better looking and funnier. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Well, particularly in the, in, the re- in recent years where there's all these sort of- um, yeah what were they called? These sort of melting pots of, you know, sort of VC free money here, start a business. And, and it's great. I love, I love all of that. So I'm not, I'm not having a go. And I think it's just wonderful that, that people of all ages are sort of, you know, throwing their hat in the ring and, and trying to create value. It's brilliant. But, mm. but the stat, I was surprised because you, especially when you sort of see um, in, you know, the, the BRW rich lists and all these sort of 23 <laughs> year olds and, and the Mark Zuckerbergs right, right. of the world and, you know, the PayPal mafia and all of these, but they're all these these young mm-hmm. whiz kids that just made it big. But actually, statistically, it's the 40-year-old plus in, um, founder that's far more successful. And I think it comes back to what you're saying there. It's just a little bit more war-wearied, a little bit more experience, a little bit more level-headed. And, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. The, the, other, the other thing that just, just on that, for anyone who's out there thinking about doing this, the other stat is that, when you look at very successful entrepreneurs, the mm-hmm. the underpinning of their success, whatever business or venture it was, was probably their third, fourth, or fifth attempt or roll of the dice. Yeah. So, so I guess I guess what I'm saying is, if you know, don't be afraid to trace your dream and don't 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 be dissuaded if you fail. The odds are against you. The odds are against you. You probably will. But of all all of the people who have ever made it, they've their secret isn't that they're intelligent and hardworking. That's kind of like, that just gets you to this, the starting block. Table the secret yep. is, is that they they keep trying and, and that they're persistent. That's what I'm saying. You just do dumb after dumb idea after dumb idea and just bet the farm on every new thing that comes across your, across mm. the table. But it does, it does mean that, 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 um, you know, very smart, hardworking people fail all the time. We don't see that. It's called the history of silent evidence. We just, you just don't, no one's writing books on that. And so all you see are these wonderfully successful entrepreneurs who tell you that I got up at six o'clock and, you know, every morning and worked really <laughs> and hard. Still cut like, oats well, and yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we all did that, mate. We all yeah, did yeah. that. It's just that you're, there's a survivorship bias that's there. So yeah. It does dawn on me, Andrew. You just talked uh, about over 40 entrepreneurs on their more than their first business. I think you've just given yourself a, a massive rap as I've just, I've just realized you spent the last five <laughs> minutes telling everyone how good you are. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, if it, I, I'm surprised you're that uh, vain, but they, that's okay if you want to get. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, you've been just, very successful, I, I look, man. Which I, I, I didn't. I didn't connect the two, but now you're pointing. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> How about <laughs> it? We're in the same place. <laughs> Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's talk a little bit about macro. I was, I was on Ausbiz on whatever that was Wednesday this week. And I was asked about macro and kind of how important macro is. And I've made this point before on the podcast. And I might make it long move off again. But um, I'm just, I'm just, uh, it's incredible how, and I gave the quote about, you know, if you spend 10 minutes thinking about the macro, you've wasted five minutes. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's arguably still true. I'm just, I'm still really, really um, fascinated by, impacted by, whatever, aware of how important the changing environment has been to investment outcomes over the past 18 months. And, and business outcomes as well, uh, because we've seen what what was taken by the market to be a new normal for the last 30 years. We're now back to what was used to be normal for the previous century before that. 
yeah. which is volatility and recessions and interest rates in moving around and inflation moving around and and the things that we had allowed us, I'll say we as the investment community broadly, not necessarily you and I, had allowed ourselves to believe what didn't matter because it didn't matter. And it isn't so much that macro never mattered or that matters now more than it used to. It's just the change in perception that all of a sudden the market's adapting to. So mm. it's almost the, it, it's both at the same time, the rediscovery of the macro doesn't matter and the macro matters a lot. But more mm. than that, it's just the fact that we'd, we'd assumed, we had, we never really, you know, when, when interest rates are 1% and inflation's almost zero, no one says the macro matters more now. But it, but it was allowed to filter into share prices if it did because people didn't think about volatile company earnings or higher and lower interest rates and what that might mean for underlying earnings. And so while mm. the macro doesn't matter now any more than it did in 1980, <laughs> it matters more only because I think, you know, I hope I make myself clear, we, we had never, never not thought about the macro for 20 years, but by mm. definition, we had let it seep into everything. The rediscovery that the macro doesn't matter, ironically, because we'd assumed it mattered because it made life good, uh, does that make sense? Am I, am I making myself clear? It, it's almost the fact that it, you know, it never mattered. It still doesn't matter, but we kind of allowed it to matter when we didn't realize we were doing it. How am I going? Yeah, with that? I think. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I think you're right. I think the time to be most concerned about the macro was the time when no one was concerned about the macro, right? Which was yes. ultra yes. low interest Better rates, very yes. smooth. Like, yes. and it just, it, and that, aren't they wonderful? Those times we don't re- don't recognize how good it was there until yeah, it's exactly. until it's gone. Yeah, and like it's gonna go. Like it's just you know sunrise, sunset. You know the season. Yeah. We go through the various seasons again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And when things start to rear their ugly heads, we all think about it. And it's kind of <laughs> like right. it's a bit after yes, the that's fact. almost that's almost the point, right? Exactly. Yeah, and we had the time to think you about know, it. Uh, and go on. Well, well, but it, it, so you're you're 100 right. But I can speak from personal experience. I know mm-hmm. particularly when when things started to to kick off after the GFC. You you were a bit gun shy. You're a bit burnt. Um, you you mm. wanted to heed the lessons that were that were offered up to you, and mm. you wanted to be very prudent in terms of quality and price, as as all investors should be. And then and then particularly you know as the SaaS boom really took hold and the rest of, and things would just fly up. And then things that were unheard of. A generation before, like price yes. to sales ratios of twenty, like just <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you yeah. never heard of that. And Correct. then, but but then after a couple of years of that, and and you missing out on that, you go, well, hang on, it normalizes very quickly. Yes, and there is yes. a very big FOMO component to that, and these cycles yes. last for a long time. So then you think, yeah, okay, I'm on board. No, it's a new normal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then for years, you go incredibly well. <laughs> As a result of that, you know, it all get and and then there's and then there's the, the there's another um, acronym I quite like. So as FOMO has already mentioned, but Tina is the other one, which is yeah. there is no alternative. What else are you what else are you going to do with your money, right? Um, and so and so it kind of it's all very crazy, but at the same time, all very understandable. Yeah, I get a lot of sympathy and empathy for for, yeah. for investors because you know it's. it's very, very hard to resist some of the, the attractions at play here. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I think that's right. I, I just want to make the point that, you know, we say the macro matters because interest rates are again volatile and inflation is again present. And so we say, oh, we should start paying attention. As you rightly point out, the time to pay attention was when we all assumed, not subconsciously, that it wouldn't be the case. That was the mistake mm-hmm. we made paying too much attention to the macro then. The, the, the lesson is not so much that macro matters, it's that 
it, it doesn't matter, but it didn't matter when we were paying too much, as you say, 20 times earnings for these stupid things because we assumed yep. things would never change again. That, that's the Lower, that's lower the for longer was the mantra. Sorry? Lower for longer yes, was the mantra. Yep. That's right. That's right. Hey, um, so speaking of which, this week, New Zealand raised their rates by 0.75%, a massive, massive Big jump. Uh, it was a massive move. And we also saw them acknowledge, admit, that inflation is coming. Uh, sorry, recession is coming. Not inflation, recession is coming. Uh, it's a it's a pretty big, pretty clear sign. The Yanks are probably in recession. The Poms are planning two years of recession. The Kiwis are talking about recession next year. Mm. We're the only people who are kind of, you know, relatively the only people who are kind of kicking along going, eh, it's okay, we'll be fine. We'll be right. Mm. Are we living mm-hmm. in cloud mm-hmm. cuckoo land? I think so. <laughs> I do. No, I mean, because I mean, there's, there's the local thing of like... Go on, yeah. I was, I was gonna, we're 2% of the global economy. Right. 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 We, 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 all of it, I mean, a very significant chunk of our national income comes from shipping rocks overseas, you know, <laughs> and, and, and if all of these other countries, we know China's yeah. not doing well economically, despite <clears throat> the made up figures that often get presented. <laughs> Speaking of conspiracy theories, um, <laughs> we know the US, the Europe, yeah. the, the, the situation in New Zealand, it is sort of like, you know, when, when, when your customers are doing it tough, ask anyone in retail. I'm not saying that that's, you know, the end of the world, but it just, it feels like it's going to be harder for us yeah. and yeah. and not only that but we rely on global funding markets equity markets debt markets all of that kind of stuff and so that that's going to feed in into to back to us as well i mean we can we can debate long and hard on on the the severity of these things but the fact that that these things seem to be very much um in train you know like there's mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't seem as though anything's going to reverse course any anytime yeah. soon I just don't know how. I don't know how we, we, we avoid a little bit of pain ourselves. I have a feeling you might be right, mate. I, I, if, we, if we actually manage to skate through, the irony, irony, I guess it is, is that we'll actually do it by having a, um, a lower growth in the first place. I mean, the Yanks are going through recession largely because their, their economy jumped so high, so hard out of COVID that cycling that was just really, really difficult. We've talked about it before. Yeah. If you have a great year, not, not olives, olives are cyclical in, in, a, in a real sense, but um, mm-hmm. you had a great year, it's hard to repeat that. Like those, those, those retailers got COVID boosts of laptops and standing desks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're showing declines in sales. Now in, at an economic level, that's a recession. Would they be better off not to have made those sales? No. Is, is the decline welcome? No, but net, net, you're still ahead. The Yanks, was it was something like 6% GDP growth, something stupid, right? If you get that, because everyone just rushes back to the shops and goes, oh, that feels good. Don't have to do that again. You're almost going to have almost by definition a decline, right? Maybe if we if we get out of this one, if we are lucky as, as we, again, lucky country was supposed to be ironic, but if we are going to be another lucky country, it'll actually be because I think the GDP growth has been relatively moderate. Um, mm. And so there's not as much to kind of come back from. Yep. Yep. I mean, who knows? Who honestly knows what's going to happen? But I've always tried to look at it like, (laughs) because it's, I mean, I saw on Twitter the other day someone having a go at at Phil Lowe um, because he's he's (laughs) obviously asked what he thought, which which is very natural. But the point was, he's always wrong. And he's he's always wrong, (laughs) not because he's an idiot. I don't want to pick on him at all. It's just because he's asked to do the impossible. Yeah. And yeah, and exactly. just like consistently wrong, like massively wrong. Yeah. And it's uh, I made this point before, but it's like, well, for goodness sake, stop asking <laughs> or ask a better question. Ask a better question. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, exactly. my the better exactly. question I ask myself, because I can't control what the journos <laughs> are going to do. 
And, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm like I guess everyone's got an opinion on yeah. on what the yeah. macro situation is and how it's likely to unfold. And of course, mm-hmm. I do as well. Yeah. I'm very humble in that opinion, though, knowing that it's it's most likely wrong. But but what I he says speaking to a podcast audience of ten thousand. <laughs> well, I tell you, it's like as soon as you ta- if you take yourself too seriously in this game, you're going to get your nose rubbed in it oh, very yeah. quickly. Aren't so you? there is there is no room for hubris. <laughs> yeah, I can I can assure you. That's really not. But I I'm more concerned on the uh, <laughs> about the fragility of my investments and the businesses in them. So it's like the analogy I've given yeah, before. Right. It's like. It's a nautical one, but if I'm on a I'm on a boat, rather than spending all my time looking looking for storm clouds on the horizon, I just want to make sure that there's there's no leaks in there. It's a very strong structure that should some well, not should when some bad weather comes my way, I'm in the best possible yeah. shape to weather that. I think I think that is yeah. the way to to always approach these macro things is is to just make sure that you've got businesses that. Will go obviously well when in the good times, but will hold up better than than most in the bad times. And they're not mm. they're not super common, but there are there are nevertheless dozens and dozens of them out there. And and they're the ones you want to keep on your watch list, and then just be very opportunistic when when Mister Market gives you a really good opportunity. I think that's I think that's perfectly right, mate. In fact, even even um, Phil Lowe's finally belatedly acknowledged that they shouldn't be forecasting anymore. So his his language has now gone from this is what we think could happen to here are some of the risks and here are some of the possibilities. Yeah. So be prepared for that. And I think it makes a whole lot more sense. I I will give them a little bit um, uh, more slack than I give the Yanks, maybe because I'm being biased, but probably not. Um, you know the dot plots. Yes. I, I hate dot plots. It's just yeah. a name. So so the the idea is that the U.S. Fed uh, board members kind of map out where they think rates are going next. They they publish this thing uh and it's just it's just it's it's an exercise in absolute stupidity mm. and i mean that in the nicest possible way um because the only thing that matters to markets is a variation from previous expectations it's the only thing that matters yeah. whatever you expect if it happens you don't do anything differently because you, you allowed for it it's mm. where there's a big shock one way or the other um to your expectations that you change your perspective now if you give, <laughs> if once you give that you're not really helping anybody because it's, yes, it's a different expectation. But as soon as you change one of those dots, the market responds as if you, as so quickly as if you didn't give them any dots at all, and then that's a new decision. It's it's just it's an exercise in futility. It's one of those things, and we've talked about it so regularly, mate. The idea of you know if I have more information, I feel more confident. Mm. Somehow I feel more comfortable because I know more things, and those things I think I know are just someone else's forecast, which as you say yeah. are you know useless at best. Um, directionally, maybe, possibly helpful. We think rates might have to go higher because inflation's high, fine. But, you know, the, the specificity of the, some of that dot plot stuff, the the month-by-month forecast from RBA, or mm. not RBA, so US Fed um, board members, I just, I just think it's just, it's just crazy, right? It's just yeah. the market wants it, so the Fed thinks it has to give it to them, which is, by the way, I'm a finance guy, you're a finance guy. Um, we're probably two of the only finance guys who actually think the real economy matters more than the financial markets yeah. <laughs> you know like i don't i don't you know oh the market wants stop plus we have to do it. it's like no no your, your job is to manage the actual economy yeah. if, if finance people like you and me and, and other people who want to bet stupid amounts of money on on small changes in exchange rates want some forecasts like sorry guys that's not what we're here yeah. for this you know you guys are at, at best symbiotic at worst parasites on the physical economy uh how about you just you know pull your heads in recognize your role we've got people and businesses and other things that actually is the real economy which is the society we live in uh don't don't yeah i i say that knowing full well that the fed and to some degree the rba have absolutely said yes mr market whatever you would like Mm. tell me what you want i'll do it for Mm -hmm. you because you're really important Mm -hmm. these are the people who should be saying go to 
proverbial hell. I, I'm not here for you. I'm here for I'm here for you know I'm here for money supply. I'm here for stability. I'm here for all the things that you know matter in the real economy. Yeah, you, you choose you, you choose the game you want to play, but that's not what we're doing here. But unfortunately, that's exactly what they are doing, which is part of the problem. Yep. Yep. I, I'm actually a big believer in openness and transparency. So provide us with data, hard data yeah. that will tell us what has happened. The, the unambiguous stuff. When we, it, yes. It's the forecasting yes. and the, that kind yeah, of- Yeah, totally, 100%. Which yeah. is what you're saying. Um, and and I, more, more to the I point, I think talking, a, go on. So I was just going to say, in terms of finance people, it's like, well, that's your job, right? Like your whole, your job is to forecast and to anticipate and then to allocate capital accordingly. So, you know, to to rely on someone else to do it for you and then to cry foul when their forecasts go wrong, maybe I'm being a little unfair here, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it just it sticks in your craw yeah. a bit. It does, it does. What I, what I, do, I, I, will add, I will add a bit of nuance. So, yes, use the hard data. Forecasts are a waste. We agree on that. The thing I would add that I'm happy for the RBA to do and the Fed is to explain where they see the economy sitting and, and what might happen and what they might need to do to deal mm, with that. Yeah. So rather than saying rates will go up at this point because inflation will be why, the conversation should have been and should continue to be, here's the thing. The economy is in a really difficult position right now. Here's the data, as you say. So, that, you know, here's the hard data. Um, if inflation continues to be a problem, we may find it necessary to continue to raise rates such that we get inflation back under control. Mm. And the, the if word there is all that you need to do. This is what we, this is, you know, these are the tools that we have. This is how we will use these tools if they're needed to be used, depending on the circumstances. Cool, got it. That's what we need to know. Because yeah. I don't know what inflation is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be either. Yeah. So let's be real and just say, if it becomes, if it's likely to keep being a problem, we'll do something about mm. it. Cool, mm. job done. Yep. Thanks. Yep. If and when inflation starts to moderate, we hope to be able to bring rates down you know, yep. reasonably quickly. Great. Cool. Good to know. Yep. Thanks very much. Yep. We are targeting a, a inflation between 2 and 3%. Mm-hmm. Great. Good to know. That's mm-hmm. that, that's useful, right? So I think that's... And look, we're in fierce agreement here, but... Uh, they get carried away with hubris, and, and again, you know, with the old one of your favourite lines and my favourite lines, yeah, you know, pundits forecast not because they know, but because they're asked. Mm. Someone says, "Governor Low, what do you think?" He says, "Well, seeing you asked, here's what I think." Mm. Um, the the understanding should be, I don't know, and I, I love doing this, mate. When I get asked in media, <laughs> you know, Scott, what's going to happen? I got asked, was it yesterday, the day before? Um, oh yeah, are we are we at the are we at the top of the curve for the market? <laughs> I, I don't know. Mm. I, said, I don't know. I don't know. Now, other people would have said, actually, you know what? Yeah, no, I think we I think the market's got another 1.4% to go. And, but by Christmas, it'll be at 7,862 points. And then I expect to fall by 7.5% next year. So I, I, I don't know. Yeah. And eventually that, make, by the way, means you don't get invited back on as many TV shows and, and radio programs because the audience wants specificity for the reason mm. that's why people ask, right? They want it. They want to know it's possible. Yeah. And they want you to suit that, you know, to help them in that, in that denialism. I say, I, I don't know. I really don't know. It's another, but it's another little- going on. Um, life hack I have, I guess, in this space is the more specific and the more certain the forecast, the more I stay the hell away yeah. from that guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, he's like, you know, you actually, dear listener, you'll expect <laughs> it coming up, right? So when we tip into 2023, you will see all yeah. kinds of headlines with oh, yeah. blah blah at, at such and such has forecast the ASX 200 to be at whatever points by the, by year end. Every every year, every you year. You probably grow by 2.3%, unemployment to be 8.9%. Yep, and that'll do it. 6.2%. And, and they'll be wrong. Yep. I mean, just through dumb luck every yep. now and again, they'll be right. By definition. Like, oh, yes. look, I always, I always suspected that. But they'll be, they'll be right yeah. for the wrong reasons and they'll just get, or just pure yeah, luck. It's just, it's madness. It's absolute well, you know, madness. You know the other trick? The other trick is you is you forecast roughly average. Yes. Yep. 
the, the market goes up roughly 10%. So forecasts can be 10% higher by this time next year. And when you're wrong, you'll be wrong for... Re- your, your forecast will always still look reasonable yeah. and you'll be wrong for explainable reasons. And when you're right for reasons that are roughly close, like, well, see, I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's, and look, you know, it's not just a parlor game, but it can be. Mate, can I, can I defend Phil Lowe for a second though? Yeah, go for it. Because I... Uh, they, the headline in news.com.au was RBA's million dollar man tells workers to suck it up. And uh, Philo did say during the week, look, you know what? Wage increases could lead to further inflationary pressures. Probably best that we don't do that so that we can get inflation under control more quickly. And then, of course, Bill Shorten jumps up in Parliament, says, oh, wherever he was, might have been in Parliament, wherever he was, oh, no, we, we're the party that stands for wage rises. We, we know. And it's all this, the, the, both the, the media shock jockery and the the, pol- the political, you know, uh, I'm your best friend. Yes, your life is hard. I will always do what's right for you. I'll always say the things that make you like me more. I reckon Phil Lowe, for, for, for better or worse, he's made some clanging mistakes recently, but for better or worse, he's the only bloke, he's the only adult in the room right now. The shock jocks are saying, oh, he's a million dollars out of touch. And the politicians are saying, oh, no, obviously we think he's wrong because we think we should all get paid more. And it's just, it, it's like, it's everything you should expect. It's the, it's a pantomime, right? Mm. All that's missing is, he's behind you. We've got the whole set. Mm. That's the box set, right? You know, it's just, it's just cr- and I've got to say, like, I, you know, Lowe doesn't need my support. He's getting paid well. He, he probably, hopefully doesn't care too much about what Bill Shorten or, or the, 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 you know, the journos at news.com.au write. I just thought it was, it just, I, I want to worry about, mate, his policy. Because mm. if public policy gets dictated by the news reports and by politicians who are just self-interestedly, saying, no, of course I want you to be paid more because if I say, I agree with Philo, you're not going to vote for me. I just, it, that's the bit that really grinds my gears. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, a, it's hard, right? Because you lose all subtlety in a comment like that. So yeah. some people would say, yeah, but nurses really should get paid more. And I'd, I'd support that. Yeah, sure. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and yes, for, for someone so. on a million dollars a year to say you shouldn't get paid more, and you're working 60 yep. hours a week, back-breaking, very difficult situations, and you, you can barely yes. put food on the table. You know, it's sort of like, I, yes. I, I get it. Um, yep. And there's also some pretty good data out there that shows that when you go back over the last 20 years, the, all the all the pay, pay rise has gone to the, the managerial class. You know? So for a yep. lot of people yep. in very important, what, what we used to call critical roles, what was the term for COVID? Um, uh, oh, first responders, frontline workers. What do we call essential them? Essential workers, or workers or something. Yeah, yeah. All the essential workers yeah. are all the ones that were most most yeah. screwed, and everyone else is you know working yeah, exactly. from home, loving it in your Ugg boots. Oh, I don't have to spend as much to travel in, and oh, look, I got a pay rise because I'm in <laughs> IT, and you know, and, and it's not to, it's not to begrudge anything yeah. like that, but it's just there's the danger correct, of such correct. a broad comment, I suppose. And I, mm-hmm. I would, I would, I would say on one hand, yeah, well, if we're like just on a broad basis, should everyone be getting a pay rise? Well, that's not going to help uh, anything. Um, yeah. At the same time, yeah. there is this subtlety within. That. I think I, probably important. Just to, I know that's you're not arguing against that, but I think it's it's worth sort of. Yeah, making no, I appreciate it. That's a good point. I just, that you know, point, it's, not, yeah. it's not. He's not saying they're not worth more. He's saying that pay rise now to, to combat inflation just adds to more inflation. Which is it's mathematically true, right? Just you don't you don't get away from that. Depends. Depends. So there's two types of inflation. Oh. There's there's If you pay me more money and I'm not saving it, what am I doing with it? I'm spending it, well, right? Well there's dampen down spending. Yeah, but there's there's demand and demand push and supply pull inflation. So let's let's yep. say that all of a sudden that half of our petroleum supplies just evaporate for whatever reason, some geopolitical event. Yes. Now, 
someone leaves the lid off. You, you could have given everyone in Australia a 20% pay cut. Like, like well, that's yeah. the bad example. But what I mean is that the price is going to go up there. It's got nothing to do with salaries. So you, I think you do need yeah. to have a good read on what is the drive behind inflation. If it is yeah. we have inflation because everyone has more money and we're competing over the same finite amount of goods, absolutely. Yeah. A, huge, a huge pay rise is not going to – that is going to add fuel to the fire. So I just I just want to again yeah. <laughs> it depends except, that, that, um, except so I, I I completely agree with you except that separate from whatever else is doing it if you give everybody in Australia five percent more money no matter what's happening with the supply bits and I'm not, I'm not saying that by the way not giving wage rises cures inflation which I think is kind of your point yeah. I'm not saying the answer to inflation is not giving a pay rise but almost but no matter how much supply we have of whatever we have the demand and supply so as soon as you add five percent more demand to whatever supply we have. It, must, it can only put upward pressure on inflation, literally mathematically by definition. Mm, mm. If there's 100 things and, and we had $100 to spend on them, and now there's still the same 100 things, or maybe there's 80 things, maybe there's 20 things, maybe there's 140 things, it doesn't mm, really matter. Mm, mm. The, the act of giving more people more money simply means we are going to outbid each other for those things. By the way, <laughs> house prices when rates go down, uh, you know, example number one, no, no more houses, no fewer houses, just a lot more money we can spend yep. on them. So what happens? Yep. We all jack the prices up. Um, as again, I'm, not, I'm not saying that wages are causing inflation at all. What I am saying is adding more money, adding more to the demand side in, in the form of wage rises can only push prices up relative to where they would otherwise be. Yeah. Just, just purely like mathematically. Yes, that is, that is true. It's just, it just that it needs to be a bit more targeted than, than, than that. I, yes. I think it's, it's, the, I, it's, the, okay. it's the imbalance of where the incremental yes. gains have gone that, that, is, that is the problem. And that's uh, and this is where policy is has been asleep at the wheel because the solution to that problem was for the last nineteen years, not in the twentieth. And that, that's my issue: is it's not so much mm. nurses deserve more. Of course they do. Giving them more now in November twenty twenty two would actually make it worse because they're going to have to pay more for everything in twenty three after they get the pay rise because the very act of giving them the pay rise pushes prices up. We're not solving their problems now. We should have solved the problems for the last nineteen years. Mm. Doing in the year twenty, maybe hopefully in year twenty one. Uh, I'm actually just 20s because we're in 2022. It's a confusing, but you know what I mean. Like doing it, doing it post this inflation surge, I, we absolutely should do it in a, in a heartbeat. Mm. Um, I'm 100 percent behind you, mate. I think you're absolutely right. The simple reality is, if we add more money to the the, the economy today than right now by giving people pay rises, whoever it is, um, that actually causes the problem. So, I th- and by the way, your, your point about managerial class, frankly, companies have had. I'm a I'm a capitalist, a out capitalist, but companies have had too great a share of the growth in prosperity. The share of national income that goes to profits rather than labour has been going through the roof for the last twenty years. Mm. So I think those those the people who identify those problems are spot on. The problem is you can't solve it at the end of twenty twenty two with wage rises without causing more inflation. Which actually you know you don't you don't help the nurse by saying here's five percent more money. By the way, you got to pay six percent more for everything else now. Mm. So well, thanks, but you didn't really help me. That that's my issue, and that's what that's what Low is saying. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's... And to your point, this is the nuance. This is exactly the nuance conversation that we need to be having rather than news.com.au and, and Bill Shorten doing the, the doorstop, you know, soundbite. I'm all for wages. He's the million-dollar man out of touch. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, no, no, one is, no one is saying that you know, these problems aren't real or they're, they're long-term problems with need long-term solutions. Just that if we kind of respond to inflation with pay rises, we don't solve any problems. We just cause new ones. Oh, it's so, de- it's so depressing. It kind of has to be that way for a bunch of reasons, you know? It does. That's exactly yes. That's that's yes. what's frustrating. Which like, it sucks, and- but it's like 
Yeah. Uh, there's no good choice the, here. I've made <laughs> no, the point before. It's, it's bad ones. Re- really great meme of, you know, two two booths and one there saying complicated but right and the other one saying easy but wrong. <laughs> and everyone's lined up behind <laughs> the easy but wrong. <laughs> lined up behind the easy one. I mean, we get, we get exactly what we, we yeah. deserve. Yep. You know, we, yep. we really do. Yep. And you go, oh, it's really, I mean, you yep. can complain about it, but you're Charlie Mungo, he always says, you know, you've got to deal with the world as it is, not as you wish it wish it was. Yes. And and the person who gets up there and makes a nuanced argument, he's lost. Like everyone's walked away after the yes. third minute of him yes. rambling on. And he's certainly not making it yes. onto the news. So you've kind of got to go off the soundbite. You kind of you kind of got to do it. And and it just trends us all yeah. in a very bad direction. So I, I don't have any easy answers, but I think suffice to say that yeah. what we're talking about with wages and that is all part of a probably a deeper structural issue. I've got no I've got no answers for it. I I don't know what what you do, but it is it is it is a diabolically tough problem and one that goes beyond just just wages hmm. and to your point like i'm, I'm absolutely going to bag bill short i'm not, he doesn't get off lightly because the electorate and the media suck <laughs> yeah he's still he's still he's still he's still in charge he's still in the government he's still responsible for doing the right thing and saying the right things but to your point that's why why does he say that because someone on the radio is going to say if he says actually hello is right so i told you the government doesn't care about your wages i do but they don't mm. so but you know no we didn't say that what he said was and then you no, no one's going to have that nuanced conversation yeah um i you know honestly Matt, i would i would solve it by saying that we think there are people who are underpaid who deserve a greater than system increase in wages for the three years after inflation's under control mm. and again that doesn't get. That's not the soundbite because it's too hard to explain or whatever. You see, right? You know what? Now's not the time. We've all got to. We've all got to suck it up, right? And that sucks. And I'm sorry that it sucks. And I wish it didn't suck, but it sucks. The RBA's got two bad choices. Either you know, or, and the government's got two bad choices. Either more wages and more inflation, or no wage increase and lower inflation. And and we've been through the other things. We've been through this. Look back to the early 1980s, right? The the, the wages and prices accord for those students of history. The Bob Hawke, Bill Kelty, Paul Keating conversation, which said, if we let this thing get out of control, if we keep giving wage increases to match price increases, it all goes to pot. Mm. We need to stop doing this. And they did. And guess what? Not not entirely causally. We had 40 years of prosperity after that, right? They, you know, this has been done. We know, we know the playbook. And, and frankly, Shorten, you know, was at one point the AWU leader, not dissimilar spot to what Bill Kelty was in during that time. And Hawke was an ex-ACTU leader as well. Um, they did what needed to be done because it was the right thing to do. They made sure that workers got looked after as a result. Superannuation indirectly came from that. There are, there are ways of saying, this is a long-term plan. We're all going to line up behind it. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get your reward. We're not going to screw you out of it. We're going to make sure everyone you know, is rewarded. But right now, this is, the, this, is the, you know, this is looking after future you as much as it sucks because we don't have any other choice. Mm. I don't know. It just it frustrates me. It frustrates me. Yep. Can you tell? No, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I know, I can just, I also, Maybe we had a lot you, more to you, you've, yeah. I was just going to say, you've always got to look at it from your, your own situation, which is what we always do, I suppose. Yeah. But someone telling you, yeah. hey, Scott, can't give you a pay rise this year because the economy and inflation. Yeah. What? Yeah, no, exactly. Yes, That's yeah. why I need a pay yeah. rise. Yeah, but by giving you a pay rise, we're going to make it worse for everyone. So we're just not going to give you a pay rise. Correct. correct. Yeah, but, yeah. but inflation's yeah. still here. Yeah, but maybe it won't be a bit longer if we don't. <laughs> Okay, correct. are you correct? Excuse me, how, yep. but how do you? Well, what else is happening? I don't know, but we're not doing this. <laughs> right. Okay, exactly. Wouldn't there be a supply side yeah. response yep. on incoming? There are some things that are very flexible and elastic in there. No, 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 no. These conversations don't happen, and they, 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 when you put them to someone who's actually in that scenario, it's just like, understandably, they go, hmm, even if I can kind of get yeah. where you're coming from, can I still have a pay rise, please? 
Just show me the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Show and I money. don't blame them, mate. There are people who are stupidly tough, right? Who aren't putting heaters on or aren't going to put air conditions on in summer who are struggling to put food on the table. You know, we need to... Those people need to be looked after regardless of whatever the economic consequences are. Mm. There, there's just a basic human um, responsibility to, to our fellow citizens to say, you know what, we're not going to let anyone, you know, swing on this one because we don't want to cause inflation. There's, there's a difference between that and the rest of it. Um, it's just, it, it just... It sucks for so many different reasons, as you say. It's one of those... It's one of those things where you go... There really should be a good outcome here, but there's just not. And and I, I can keep looking for it, but I kind of come back to the same point, which is I'm still here and it still sucks and it still is what it is. Mm. Um, that's why I guess that's why I was disappointed with the government's response in particular. You know that they they were the party of the accord back in the early eighties who said, and the unions they did a deal with you. Said, Look, guys, this is not working. We all know it's not working. Let's make sure you get looked after. Your workers will get looked after. We've just got to do it the right way. Mm. And it worked. Like that's the thing, right? They've got this. 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 This history is there. Uh, if they just sat down and said, "You know what? Let's actually work through this," rather than rather than war by soundbite, mm. actually some serious people in a room going, "Okay, we know it sucks. Let's let's just get through it, and then we'll make sure everything's okay after that." You, you hope someone's having those conversations, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I guess it, it's where it sticks in my craw is that whenever the hard decisions have to be made, and whenever um, difficult compromises have to be worn. It's always it's never yeah. won by the by the upper class. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah, just true. I'm just going to put that out there, not not to be a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but it's sort of like the, it, it's it's the um, it's the bottom rungs for it's a horrible term, yes. but you know what I mean. It's the people at that more more socially no, it's disadvantaged. True. It's absolutely true, mate. That always have yep. to take the medicine, yep. and that's yep. that's kind of what what yep. really gets me. It's like, it'd be different if you could have said, okay. Yep, I agree. Gina and Twiggy, you know, we're going to tax you a bit more this year or something like that. And I'm, yeah. I'm a hardcore ca- capitalist like you too, in, in the way that I understand it at least. Yeah. But, but it's just that they're, they're never on the table. You know, the people, the people who are worth yeah. more than three million net, and there's actually heaps of people out there in that. Plenty of people are listening to this right now, where I would think maybe you guys should should take on take take a little bit on the chin here, and and we we maybe cut some stage three tax cuts legislated. Yeah, insane, insane. The other thing I'd say too is yep. is that that Philip Lowe is he might be right, but he's going to talk to his advantage here because he's got this one lever to pull, maybe two if you consider yes, QE yeah. and that kind of. And he's and he, he's wanting to sandbag to sort of say, well, if inflation isn't under control, it's because everyone you know bosses around the country go go everyone yeah. a pay yeah. rise. You know, it's like, is it no, mate? Or I mean, I, I, I actually think that they have far less control than they think they do. So I, I'll, I'll sympathise with him there. But, but, but he is going to be biased in his view and his preferences as to the solution to this very horrible problem, this very horrible problem yep. of inflation. It's one of the more, more pernicious problems that are out there. But, but you know, mm-hmm. anything that, that takes the pressure off him directly, he's going to advocate for. Yeah, just worth worth making that. Except that. Note. that- Except that with that lever, as you say, mate, let's take that as a natural conclusion, right? Because to the extent he's got one lever, if inflation doesn't go away through those other means, including fiscal policy and, and wages, he's going to put rates up more. I mean, he, he's, he's kind of belling the cat here. It's like, if you guys don't do this, then I've got to do more. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not, again, to your point, it's, it's, there's no zero sum here. It's like, we feel like, I really, really wish you would help me not create conditions that are going to require me to put rates up to 5%. Yeah. But if I have to, I will. So but that's, it's not a threat, but, it, but there's some element of like, I'm going to, I have, I have one tool and I have one objective. Yep. I'm going to do whatever I can with this tool to get that objective. If, if the politicians and, 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 you know, employers and tax policy and everything else doesn't, doesn't do it for me, then I'm the guy at the end of the chain. When, when all the other QC fails, I'm the bloke saying, well, okay, 
out comes the DDT. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to do what has to be done if you guys don't. Yeah, I get that. But it's also it's also wishful thinking because no employer out there is sitting, <laughs> maybe there's some, but very few thinking, gosh, I would love to pay all my workers more. You know, regardless of, <laughs> regardless of, we could be in the yeah. strongest economic yeah. boom of a, you know, yeah. in a century, and no, everyone right. is yep. is minimizing costs because that's you you are yep. trying to maximize the profitability of of your enterprise. Now you can make Absolutely. all kinds of uh, very sensible arguments, I think, where it's just like you pay well, you get good mm. quality work, is actually get good return on investment. So I'm not I'm not saying that everyone should be paid a pittance here, but what I am saying yeah. is is that any any manager. Is is always looking to 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 make sure they strike the right balance, and I don't think there's anyone yeah. out there running a, whether it's a cafe or a you know two hectare distribution center, is is going to say, actually I'm not going to put wages up because Phil Lowe was asking. <laughs> I was me I was to. going to Phil asked me not to. <laughs> you know you know and it's like, <laughs> like if I'm putting wages, it's because I need more people. <laughs> I'm losing people or I can't retain the or I don't have the quality of the people that I want. Yep. So economics and I, I just said I'm a capitalist. This is capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. And and capitalism would say, okay, I've got to pay more. And and then to turn around and go, oh actually no, some central bureaucrat told me not to. I mean that that is that is the opposite of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like call me crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's the whole system is mad, my friend. I, I, I've got to say, the more I've thought yes. about the, yeah. the whole the whole nature of central banking, the, 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 I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. Uh, anyway, that's all right, mate. When crypto when crypto fails, we'll talk about it. I didn't uh, say no, anything about it. We have talked for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything leads there. We have we have chatted for way too long, although I do enjoy your company. How about we come back and do it again on Sunday? Yeah, let's de- let's definitely do it for sure. Until then, full on cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.